Bridging the gap between people and technology. The Fireside Podcast is recorded and produced in Brisbane, Australia. And I am your host, Adam Bocut. And the Fireside Podcast is sponsored by Fire. And you're about to listen to episode 15, Optimism and Leadership Through the Pandemic and Beyond with Victor Purton. It's a special edition of the Fireside podcast uh, this evening. And uh, yeah, it's normally a, a, a podcast of what, we, what we're doing. We're collaborating with, uh, with Victor Purton, who is our special, our special guest uh, this evening. And um, yeah, what we're going to... What we're going to discuss is it's to do with um, the pa- basically the pandemic and how we can be you know use optimism and leadership uh, to to navigate it and um, yeah so our special guest is Victor and he Victor is the the COO of the the Center for Optimism and also the founder of the Australian Leadership project so welcome to welcome to the show show victor and it's it's great to have you on and and how's uh, how's everything going so far well adam it's a great privilege and honor i've, I've seen your development um from um that first time we uh, did the australian leadership cafe in brisbane um and your marvelous experiments and and the establishment of this podcast so I'm very pleased and proud uh, to be associated with you. Um, And I'm really glad you accepted my challenge to do this as a live broadcast, which we're streaming to Facebook and uh, other people joining us on Zoom. So uh, things are great for me. um, The Centre for Optimism is thriving. Mm -hmm. Um, The Shop of Optimism, which we opened in December, of course, we can't open because of the um, shutdown rules and um, so we're not having live meetings, but we've been very, very busy on webinars. We did a brilliant one uh, just a couple of days ago with John Hagel from the Deloitte Centre for the Edge. Uh, we did one with Charlie Hogg, the meditation leader. We've been doing an association with Idea Spies. And on Wednesday, we're doing one with Brilliant Women and um, another one with the French Business Women's Network. So um, people's increased use of Zoom and video conferencing has meant, you know, we don't need to be catering. We don't need to be getting bottles of wine. We just yeah. need to make time for an electronic conversation. Definitely. And, uh, and I really, really appreciate you uh, acknowledging that as well. And uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, we'll, we'll start to have a chat about leadership. I'll, I'll move on to the, the first question. Um, and also that, yeah, with the, the Fireside podcast, it is uh, about l- bridging the gap between people and technology and uh, with a focus on, on community as well. So it's, uh, it's definitely, definitely going to be a, a great chat, I'm sure, fireside chat. So the first question, Victor, is um, so what, what's, your, what's your background and um, why are you so passionate about optimism and leadership? Sure. I'm sure you don't want me to go right back through the genetic history no. of 10,000 <laughs> years. So uh, maybe we'll start with my parents. Um, they were refugees from uh, what was then the Soviet Union um, and uh, you know, lived through war-torn Europe between 1940 and, and the rubble after World War II right through to 1950 and then came to Australia in 1950 and uh, 
it was a very wise choice. And um, as you know, refugees tend to be more optimistic um, mm. than native-born populations in any country. So I'm blessed with that background and uh, the courage they had and my grandparents had. Um, and then um, I grew up in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Um, I was a young barrister early up in my career. Um, I was lucky enough to be elected to the state parliament in Victoria in my late 20s. Um, served 18 years in the parliament um, at a time of great change. You know, the internet was being introduced. We were experimenting with e-government. Um, the team I worked with was described by Bill Gates uh, in business speed of thought as the world's best uh, at that time. Uh, but by around 2006, I'd had enough of politics. I could see that Australian politics and the media coverage of it was becoming ever more negative. So I retired from Parliament, uh, had my own entrepreneurial business, uh, again, in the high tech space that you described. Uh, and then out of the blue, the Labor government um, asked me to become commissioner to the Americas. So I was the trade and investment commissioner in North and South America. And that was an amazing experience. I could talk for hours on that alone, but I'll, I'll leave that till later. And then I had the even more remarkable experience of being senior advisor to the Australian G20 presidency. Um, you know, the biggest political meeting that had ever been held in Australia and remains uh, the biggest political meeting ever held in Australia. And then after that, I came back to Melbourne, uh, 2015, and was astonished by the negativity around leadership that Australians had developed a very negative mindset towards leadership, and not just at the political level, but at almost every institutional level. And I was bewildered by that. So rather than complain about the complainers, I established the Australian Leadership Project. And as you're aware, you were one of the people I interviewed. Uh, we've interviewed two and a half thousand people on the qualities of Australian leadership. And then at the end of that, I was still bewildered because the leadership is pretty good. No people on earth have ever lived better than the Australians of today. And funny enough, it, it's again a Brisbane connection, Adam. I was uh, a final panelist at the 2017 Global Integrity Summit. Right. And uh, they'd agreed that the final panel should be called The Case for Optimism. And my presentation and the presentations there so changed the mindset of the room. Um, Helen Clark, the former Prime Minister of New Zealand, said, Victor, you should turn that speech into a book and I'll endorse it. Um, so I wrote the book. I've written several books. And, and you've got a copy there. <laughs> and um, it developed into keynote speeches and workshops. And then in August of last year, um, someone asked me to do some work in innovation and then challenged me um, and said, well, I'd suggested that they get more involved. And they said, but what could we do that Victor Purton himself can't do globally? And that day we established the Centre for Optimism and oh, it's got a wonderful global board now. Um, our membership has doubled this month and um, any of your listeners are, are very welcome to join and I'll make sure there's a, a discount code uh, with Adam on it um, so that anyone who wants to take up a subscription after listening to this podcast uh, will be able to add that at no cost. And we'll put the link up as well. Now, that is great. That is such a, such a great and a great background. And um, it, I really appreciate you sharing that with us because that you've had a, such an esteemed life 
uh, and also your shit your practicing you know leadership now and i'm I, I really appreciate the the connection as well we took you talked about we before we we started this we talked about uh robin's dr robin stokes as well and how she was part of the, the g20 summit and you were as well and there's so much um so many connections as well and associations um within that, that help by not only being in person uh, but also using technology with, with uh, with Zoom, for example, and you know we're in this pandemic now, and uh, we're seeing that this there are lots of works being done at the moment through using um, using these technologies as well. So, um, and also I wanted to, to as a reminder before we move on to the the next question is to remind the the viewers and the listeners that if they'd like to um, you know write any any um, any questions or suggestions feel free to do that and we'll either answer them in real time or or, or follow up in, in the future as well and we'll put the link up to, to the book and yeah just to reiterate um victor's book it's uh, it's a great book the case for optimism and uh, yeah you can get that i'll put the link up as well and yeah excellent so um and adam i must must send you a copy of the newer one yes optimism, one. The, the how and why Yes, yeah, definitely. The, the updated one as well, how and why. And yeah, congratulations as well on, on launching the, um, the Centre for Optimism as well. I haven't visited it yet, but when, this, when the pandemic's all, um, all passed, I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll make a trip to, to Melbourne to, to visit as well. And, and, and well, we can come to Brisbane because we, yeah. um, we've made a decision given the pandemic, etc. We're going to uh, move from Middle Park. We're going to go on the road for a few months. Uh -huh. Uh, pop-ups in in regional cities and um, I always love Brisbane I think you know the notion of Brisbane as Australia's new world city um, was a splendid vision by your former Lord Mayor and you know when you look at Brisbane's development you know through the G20 and beyond um, you know Brisbane is a meeting place for so many interesting people. Definitely I when I first met I've been here about six years and initially it was probably you know my my attitude and potentially you know a knock-on effect of, of some p potential negativities going around um you know in the ether uh, and i was uh, and maybe because i was you know moving transitioning from you know teaching um, coaching snowboarding and i didn't really like it but then in the last few years i've changed my mindset my attitude optimism and i absolutely love brisbane it is such a beautiful place it's uh, the people are friendly even though it's a city it's not a large city but it's a city where you can walk down the street and you'll bump into someone that you know or, or not and they'll still be smiling faces people wanted to um help you and connect and you've got beaches and it is it's a new world city and, and it's there's so much vibrancy and energy and i've noticed not to i don't want to compare to different um cities but for example in, in different cities i've been to in the world or whether in australia it's just not that same sort of vibe it's a bit kind of a bit rushy and, and not that much time to connect and smile so and i'm sure that that will change so well we've always got a stereotype about brisbane as you know but yeah. we go back to the g20 you remember angela merkel the german chancellor mm. um you know went on a pub crawl you know having beers with german backpackers and yeah. christine lagarde who was then head of the international monetary fund um, jogging over the bridge. And I remember that little guy with the coffee stand on the, is it the Welcome Bridge? Um, he, um, he said to me, oh God, will I be able to be open during the G20? And I said, well, let's make sure of it. Yeah. And I remember sort of, you know, presidents and finance ministers all meeting for the little coffee um, on that bridge over the river. And what you're right about the smiles, you know, it's just a, 
a city where people greet each other and have time to have a chat. Definitely, yeah. And we, so that sounds great that uh, you'll be you'll be a travelling, uh, you'll be able to visit up here, and I'll make sure that we uh, we do that. And also, again, we can use um, without being there physically, we can still use this in addition. So, all right. So, so Victor, um, what does leadership mean? to you and how can this relate to the pandemic and beyond? Sure, so, so I take um, a view that everyone is a leader. Um, and um, one of the things I do in my presentations is to get people to stand up and to shout out, the leader looks like the person in my mirror. Mm. And I then get them to look at the person next to them and uh, to say, the leader looks like the person in your mirror. So I'm very much about um, everyone a leader, you know, and at some point each of us has got to take the appropriate um, leadership roles to step up, whether you're in the position that you and I are in the age we're in, where we need to make decisions and, you know, support people in doing things and children and the like, uh, but through to the child in, in kindergarten, you know, who at times has to step up. So for me, everyone um, is a leader. Now, you know, what makes a good leader? Um, we ask that question to many people. So I've got so many things running through my head. Yeah. But central to my contemporary beliefs are the conversations I had, for instance, with Dominic Barton, the head of McKinsey, or um, Jeremy Johnson, the head of the Australian Chamber of Commerce, or people like Nick Farrell running ResMed. And each of those would say there are hundreds of qualities you could pick for a leader, but the most important one is infectious optimism. Mm. And interesting enough, the CEO of um, Disney has just, Iger has just published his autobiography and he has 10 qualities of the leader, but the top is infectious optimism. So we're living in a world where people are drowning or lost in a fog of pessimism, mm. uh, of cynicism, and the leader's job is to step up and to give people a sense of the future, of purpose. And that, I think that's central. I love it. Yeah. So now that is, that is great because um, even going back to what we mentioned before, when you, you set your, uh, and this is my personal experience of yourself, Victor, and how it's, all, it's, it's fine and it's great. A lot of people, you know, say the right words and, and say, oh, you know, I, you know, it, what is a leader or being a leader and, and the sort of um, associated aspects to it. And I do agree with you, infectious optimism, but specifically you know, a couple of years ago when you invited uh, me and I, to, I showed up um, to the, the leadership roundtable in beautiful Brisbane in that, in that garden. And you invited me to, to do a, to, to do a talk on, on growth mindset. And that got me out of my comfort zone at the same time. I'm glad that you did that because that has, um, push me out of my comfort zone. You have uh, encouraged me to lead, even though I, I chose it myself by showing up. But it's all, as I said, I really like your um, analogy of you know looking to the person next to you, and you're the, lead, the you're the leader. The leader's the person in the mirror, and also to the person next to you. And I, I really really love that because it's a it's a knock on effect. It's you know community aspect. So it's whoever's within that uh, community of people it's so important to, to help and encourage people. And by you saying, oh, Adam, I remember, I remember to this day, you said, oh, will you come to this leadership um, um, uh, roundtable? And will you do a, a talk on 
growth mindset and I was like oh I'm a bit scared you know I'm so glad I did it though because it's 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 encouraged me to you know build this confidence and it took you know my choice to do it but also another leader like yourself um to to set that chance for example when you said about I wasn't going to do a webinar and um because i've been doing voice only and then i've you know you've set that challenge so it's it's so great and i love how you practice what you preach you are you're a great um great leader in that sense so it's i i love how you um how how you share and and really really embody leadership as well and i love that effect and i'm infected as well so you can tell and I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna share it on and on so i really really love that so you remember when we um did that little um coffee um in brisbane before yes. work and we had yes. several people join us in the yeah. center of all of the headquarter buildings and entrepreneurs and mm. um, migrants and all sorts of interesting people and then a very significant ceo uh, was on the table next to us and she joined us and mm. it became infectious in that cafe. Do you remember? It was, yeah, I remember. It was, uh, yeah, Pip Marlow from, uh, she used to be the CEO um, of Customer in um, Suncorp, but she's moved to um, CEO of Australia New Zealand for... Salesforce. Um, Salesforce, yes, and it's another another book as well. I'm really, it's, uh, this is another good, Trailblazer. I def, I'm halfway through it. This is um, this is a good book as well. Um, yeah, so that there's so many great leaders, and it's amazing how people can be associated with um, you know a company or an, an association, but it's that it's the person and their values that. And I've noticed from reading that book and with um, uh, Mark Benioff, he's a you know great leader as well, and you've got another great leader which tends to just show up and it was just so kind of serendipitous as well. I remember you mentioned that word when, when Pip Marlowe showed up and we just had a, it was really great energy and just all these leaders from different, as you said, um, from different um, backgrounds uh, and different um, nationalities all showing up just because they, they're, they're a leader and they want to discuss important um, topics with other leaders and it was a great event so yeah that was a that was a good reminder i forgot about that actually so great At small world artists mark mm. benioff mm. um the head of salesforce has bought time magazine wow Is that time magazine mm. has an optimist edition every january they've wow. had it for the last two years Right. So again, it's it's a remarkable coincidence. So it's yeah, it's a good theme, and and this is really important now because uh, I was going to you know moving on to onto the next question as well. So I'll, I'll ask the next question because it, it all relates. So um, excellent. So Victor, what does optimism mean to you, and how can it help navigate this pandemic now and and beyond and into the future? Sure. So the best definition of optimism is that which comes from Harvard, uh, used by Stanford and Oxford, and it's um, a belief that good things will happen. Yeah. It's a belief that things will work out in the end, and that that work out in the end is very important. I, in fact, I recorded a meditation the other day, Adam, um, using the mantra of Mother Julian of Norwich, the um, 13th century English saint, who said, all shall be well all shall be well, all manner of thing shall be well. And she lived through the plague and astonishing, you know, levels of cruelty and, and middle ages life. 
and yet is still quoted as an optimist. In fact, the, the former Pope devoted an entire uh, lecture um, to her optimism. So optimism is not a Pollyanna. It, it's not positive thinking. It's not everything is good. You know, people suffer tragedy. You know, there are deaths in the family. And now people have lost their jobs. People are losing businesses. Um, you know, these are things to grieve about. These are things to be sad about. Um, and there's no point walking up to someone like that and saying, oh, terrific, everything's going to work out. Um, everything's going to be great. You, you've got to empathize with them and listen to their grief and, and listen to their sadness. But importantly, the thing that carries us through is this belief that everything will work out in the end. And Jane Burns, you know, the um, woman who led the Young and Well CRC and then became a professor at Sydney University, she says that if you look at resilience and everything else, the underpinning of it is optimism. It's this belief that, that things will get better. And you know, obviously, you know, at, at the, the macro end, you know, people like Bill Gates and Steven Pinker and others, uh, Max Rosa, can take us through the facts and figures that show that you and I and our children and, uh, are much, much better off than our grandparents were and, and our parents. So, so the world is going forward. You know, things that were normal in my lifetime, you know, measles, chicken pox, um, all these things, kids get inoculation these days. Yeah. You know, they don't suffer those illnesses. Um, you know, polio was killing people in the 50s. It, it, I think it's almost been eliminated. So um, optimism is belief that things are getting better, that things will get better, and that if you persist, um, everything will work out in the end. Definitely, yeah. So optimism, uh, again, I, I like the way you mention it where it's an emphasize that it, it's not just, you know, everything's going to be okay. And, and it, with a, you know, as I said, Pollyanna, you just say it, it actually means something. And it's with the, the mindset where it, it's, you know, it's going to be better. And that really helps you to take action and not just talk about things. It's, uh, it's, it's so, so important as well to, um, uh, to have that as, as a mindset. And you mentioned meditation as well. So that's something that, um, that I share with you and, and you, I know I promote quite a lot in, and that's in my book and in, in your um, uh, version of, of optimism as well. And you've got your own, um, and I'll put the link in meditation as well, optimistic meditation. So um, what are your thoughts on, on the use of, you know, use of meditation, mindfulness, and how it's connected to, to optimism and practicalities and taking action to improve your optimism and, and how you can, um, you know, connect that to leadership and moving forward. Yeah, so there's little doubt, and meditation is a, is a very powerful um, tool for a better life, and in particular, to be more optimistic. Um, the Dalai Lama, you know, the great uh, proponent of Tibetan Buddhism, um, says, choose optimism, it feels better. Yeah. Um, and uh, in his meditations, he often refers to that. Um, so um, the best meditation is the compassion meditation. Um, there's been some really interesting scientific work around that in the United States and elsewhere, you know, where you reflect on sending loving kindness, firstly to people that you know and love and like, and then through to people that you don't like at all, maybe someone who's crossed you or double-crossed you. Mm. And then, of course, loving kindness to yourself. Uh, my mother is 91 and, and still a yoga teacher. And she says that, you know, you can't love others unless you love yourself. Mm. And so loving kindness meditation is very powerful. Yes. And regular practice of meditation is said to increase 
the thickness of the frontal portion of the brain from where optimism, joy, happiness, um, the chemicals to achieve that seem to be derived. And um, even Catalyst, the Australian science program, did an experiment with a group of people over six weeks. So a mere six weeks of meditation was sufficient to show changes to the brain that could be seen in brain scanning equipment. So meditation is important. You don't need to sort of sit under a, a Buddha a bow tree for um, yeah. hours and hours every day. You know, five minutes, ten minutes. I'm um, even I wear an Apple Watch. Um, you know, every hour or so, you get that little alert that says breathe yeah, for one minute. So even just focusing on breath for a minute, four or five times a day, is helpful. Um, so yeah, no, I'm a strong proponent of meditation. Um, Yoga, which is associated with meditation, and again, a practice that's thousands of years old, a mind-body practice from India. Um, you know, there are many types of exercise, and I know you're, you're very, very fit, Adam. Um, many types of exercise that enhance optimism, but yoga, you know, and, and Prime Minister Modi of India was successful in having yoga described as one of the world's heritages, and there's even an International Day of Yoga now. So meditation and yoga um, are terrific now you mentioned the word mindfulness mindfulness is is a different concept that's that notion of concentrating uh, and the woman i've heard speak best about that is a brahma kumari thinker um sister shivani, shivani. Um, who is is quite a rock star in, in yeah. when you go to I, I shared a platform with her in india and i think it was twenty thousand people Wow. in the Indira Gandhi ashram. I don't think they'd all gathered to hear me. <laughs> and um, uh, Shivani said, I meditate in the morning to meditate all day. So this notion of whatever you're doing, concentrate on, whatever you're doing, do well. Um, so that mindfulness, as it's called in the West these days, uh, the Indians would say it's an all day meditation. And um, uh, you know, whilst I'm, I'm a Christian by religion, um, I love the, the Brahma Kumari's positivity. Mm. And um, in their dining room, they've got this wonderful poster which says, only eat the food of positivity. Um, so, yeah, now you've now... The other thing we, I left out, Adam, is, is the power of prayer. Um, so prayer, um, you know, through so many cultures over so many thousands of years, Obviously, some forms of prayer are a meditation themselves, um, but that um, belief in God or belief in mankind or faith in God, faith in mankind, is also a very powerful influence. And you know, the studies that have been done by the Brookings Institute, for instance, um, I'll ask you this question. What, what ethnic group in America do you think has the highest optimism? Ethnic group in America? Um, Colour or ethnicity? Uh, maybe going back to the, maybe in, from India? No, it's in fact the black population of America. Oh, wow. So we think of them as, as relatively, you know, financially poorer than the rest of the country, um, less educated, but they have much higher rates of optimism Mm. And it is said, Brookings and others say it's because of their spirituality, their singing, spiritual singing, um, the close relationships with grandmother and great-grandmother. Um, so it's family and spirituality. Yeah. So if we, if we 
sum all of that up, meditation is superb. Definitely. And mindfulness is good and add prayer. And yeah. so, for instance, that meditation I did the other day using yeah. Mother Julian's phrase, all shall be well, all shall be well, um, is that wonderful mixture of prayer and meditation. Excellent. So you've got the um, different aspects. And if you add them all together, that will just, um, you know, put, put rocket fuel and energy on the, uh, on your um, optimism on, you know, whether it's, um, you know, mindfulness, um, which is all day or um, meditation or, or prayer. It's all optimistic, optimistic, and it's all good to, to help, um, help move, th move things forward, be optimistic for the future and also create that energy. And, and it, for me, it all connects to everything in the moment with, you know, choosing leadership, being a leader, being optimistic, um, you know, whether you decide to, um, to use prayer or meditation or um, whatever works for you and you choose to do it, if it's, if it, um, it's that practice, then it's, it's gonna help and it's gonna be infectious so it's going to infect other people in a good way so it is it's all good now i'm lo i'm loving this so um and it's the doing adam it, it's yes. so um taking action. ritual is really important in human life and ritual is important in, in any um species and so um that notion you know i use a, a google calendar um mm -hmm. in that google calendar i set meditation every morning but it, there's also a little goal setting you know and so mm -hmm. once a week you know to do something um, means that you do it you've got to remind yourself to do it so you know you can't you know you can't do you know, meditate you know an hour most of us can't meditate an hour every day um, but if you set aside that 10 minutes or remind yourself that that 10 minutes is there um that's three quarters of the battle definitely and if there's anything if there's any um you know viewers or listeners out there that haven't attempted or, or, or tried meditation or, or anything that that could you know, it could be five minutes in the shower. I do I, every single morning without fail now because it's a habit now uh, and a practice. I do nine minutes every single morning without fail. But at the start of it, when I, um, when I wasn't practicing it, I, it's a good idea. And I agree with you, Victor, is that if you set an alarm or set a, you know, a um, Google calendar that pops up, right, do your meditation. Anyone has got, can create five minutes or nine minutes or, or 15 minutes or even a couple of minutes to, to, to start and take action. Because once you do, then it's, um, it's just that first step and then it makes a massive difference. And I, I challenge anyone to even attempt just two minutes to start with. And then maybe move on to four and, and whatever works for you. And it, the, the, the benefits of that is so, so profound and I would highly recommend it. And I'll share the, um, the meditation link as well. So it's definitely, well, definitely it's like turning up, you know, um, Harvard um, with their Harvard health, you know, uh, people are meant to do 30 minutes of walking every day. Mm. Harvard health in some of their writings now say, no, do 10 minutes, three times a day. Yeah. So after each meal, 10 minutes, because inevitably you'll do more than 10 minutes. Yeah. But it's that notion of turning up means you'll do it. Yeah. And if you can connect and also it's got to work with your initial lifestyle. So if you connect it to associate it with breakfast, lunch, dinner, you do make sure you do five, 10 minute walk after you have breakfast or lunch or dinner, and then it's connected. It's so much easier to, to um, put it into your, into your lifestyle. Now that, that this is, this is great. So, um, Oh, what I wanted to touch on as well, because we, we kind of did a little bit, but just to focus a little bit on, on how we, how you um, use or utilize 
technology or emerging technology with um, with your practices with optimism and leadership and how we can um, you know move through and navigate this pandemic for the future what what are your thoughts on on using technology well i mean it's, it's rooted in our life i mean most importantly in the pandemic at the moment is getting the messaging through to folk mm -hmm. uh, which seems to have worked i mean if you look at australia you know the rates of community transmission are extraordinarily low um, and the population has, has adopted these things. Now, most of that messaging has come by conventional media. Yeah. But I <clears throat> read something the other day from a fellow who said what gives him great optimism is that there are 7 billion minds that are now focused mm -hmm. on coronavirus. Yes. In that 7 billion people, there's 100 million really smart people mm -hmm. um, who can work out new things to do and new things to help. and. You know, that goes from the super scientists who are, you know, working on the um, vaccine and, and those who are working on the medicines and those who are working every day on treatments for those people who are in ICU, um, to those people who are designing new types of masks or the women yeah, yeah. sewing Lots of fabric masks in Indonesia or Rwanda or the like. So, um, you're seeing all sorts of technologies being brought to bear and, you know, stuff that worked for malaria and the like being brought to bear, you know, sort of distancing and making sure you wash your hands. And mm. I did a, a webcast last week for the Australian Water Association and WaterAid. And again, that's quite simple technology. You know, WaterAid in East Timor, the idea is to build a pipe from the spring to within right. 100 metres of every household. So instead of a woman having to carry, you know, yes. four litres or eight litres of water and being reluctant to have the family use that for washing hands, there's enough you know, water for washing your hands and your bottom and, mm. you know, making sure that, that you can grow vegetables at home. And then for me, you know, getting these messages across, um, you know, we're very global. So we use um, almost um, all forms of social media, uh, the ones that I'm, I find easiest to Twitter. Um, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, um, we're experimenting with others. Um, email, I think these days is just about past its use by date. I, yeah, people so are inundated fun. by it. Um, I find the telephone very useful, Adam. I, yes, I yeah. love ringing people. <laughs> and then tools like this, I mean, Zoom, you know, where, you know, it, it picks up who's talking, it highlights us on the screen. Um, yeah, we did a family party at Easter, which we think was the biggest family party since 1937. Wow. You know, when the family was scattered around the world. And we had German cousins and cousin in Perth and Harvey Burton Bay. family party the, online, having yeah, a drink. And, yeah. and my friends, you know, I have a group of university friends. We only get together for dinner when a particular friend comes from the country. Well, we're catching up every week now, you know, with a glass of wine on our desk and 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 catching up and then i i'm very fond of the writings of john hagel the head of the deloitte center for the edge um what's happening at singularity university i mean oh, there I are so that. in seven you know this the world population is now seven billion and in that seven billion there are so many intelligent smart people competing collaborating and the other thing that, that's not talked about much is we've now, for the first time in human history, never had so many old people. Mm. You know, people with wisdom, experience. Um, I don't think 
in Western countries, we take enough advantage of that wisdom of our aging population. It's often treated as a problem. True. Um, but, you yeah. know, the technology topic is so big. You know, I've got a friend, Richard Caro, in San Francisco, who works on technology for enhancing independent living for the aged. And some of it's as simple as what's the best design for a walking stick? Yeah, at the other end, it's what's the best hearing aid and what's the best, um, you know, I now wear glasses for, for reading and, um, you know, what, what are the best um, types of glass and magnifying glass to enhance your reading? So, you know, and you interviewed Robin um, in your last uh, podcast, you know, what um, that group of people are doing in, in bio, what do oh, they call wow. bio med devices, you know? implants to improve hearing, implants to improve um, sight. Um, you know, just think of the technology of the human heart now, you know, that stents and pacemakers and the ability to replumb the heart and the arteries and the veins. Um, it's astonishing how far humankind has advanced in the last few thousand years. And the, uh, and it's, and you mentioned Singularity University, and I, I, I'm really, a, I'm really um, definitely a fan of that because that's, uh, that uses a, a lot of the aspects of um, exponential technology and how you talked about the um, commu using communication. And I've heard of the, the word from Singularity University, the, the hive mind, which brought, which kind of emphasized from the, you know, 100 million people out of, you know, 7 billion, there's so much um, intelligence and and um, wisdom from different ages of people, whether you know older or younger. But what what technology is helping, as you mentioned, is the communication using you know um, you know Zoom or, or social media, but also how they how people can be connected so easily. For example, what we're doing now, we're having a chat, and you you know you, you you're um, connecting people together, and those ideas um, are starting to. Um, to turn into action, organized action with, a, for example, a hive mind to, to, with optimism to be able to, to, to move forward past, you know, this too shall pass. Once we've passed through this pandemic and people are starting to use technology really well, optimistically with leadership and confidence, then there's going to be so much um, innovation uh, moving forward that um, it's just, you, you can't, I don't know how people can be, pessimistic about it because there's so much so much scope for for things to change for the better that um that yeah it's that it's yeah it's 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 going to be fear great. and anxiety adam i mean you know we we are half the population is weighed down now with fear and anxiety and mm. both the media and government have used it um and you know maybe it's worked in the sense that we've all complied but the damage it must have done um, to hundreds oh. of millions of people around the world living in fear and anxiety. Mental health, and the and that's then yeah. There, there's definitely we've definitely got our work cut out for us, Victor, and it's a it's a challenge that um, I'm keen to keen to step up step up to. So moving um, moving forward onto the but just um, one. Oh yeah, I just interrupt for one second. I just had a note passed to me. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Family matter. Oh, okay. Yeah, all good. Um, all right. So moving on to the uh, the rapid fire questions. So we'll have some fun with this. I'm just going to ask uh, ask some questions to you and just feel free to, to fire away on the answers, Victor. So rapid fire questions for, for Fireside Chat, Fireside Podcast. 
Victor, what's the one book that has had the biggest impact on your life? Uh, can, I, can I give you two? One is The Power well, of I'll Paul. I'll go on then. <laughs> uh, one is The Power of Paul by John Hagel, um, who I interviewed oh. the other day, a great yeah. friend and, and on my advisory board. But in this world of where you know, we are inundated with emails and advertising and the like, how do you draw people towards you? That authenticity, um, serendipity, all of these things. And then the second book, um, which was very important in my political development, is a 1911 book by Leonard Hobhouse called Liberalism. And uh, in that book, Leonard refers to liberalism as the liberation of living spiritual energy. And um, it's had a profound effect on many people. In fact, the former Premier of Victoria, Dick Hamer, in his first interview, talked about the spirituality of liberalism. So for me, probably the most two most important books are The Power of Paul um, and Leonard Hobhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's a, probably I could list 20 or 30 others, but those are the two that come to mind when you ask me. Excellent. So uh, The Power of Paul. And, uh, and liberalism. And I, I love that, uh, that aspect of the connecting spirituality, um, you know, with, uh, with, you know, with optimism and those sorts of, those sorts of things, because it's so, so powerful. All right. So moving on, um, what's your favorite quote or motto, Victor? Oh, well, Might say uh, that it's the leader looks like the person in your mirror. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been writing so many um, things recently, but if I think um, one of the um, beautiful quotes that I had when I've been asking people what makes you optimistic mm. is one from a neuroscientist, Professor G, um, who says, optimism is the evidence of dreams not yet realized. Love it. Optimism is the dream, it's the evidence of dreams not yet realized. Excellent. And I want to reiterate that question. It's a good question to, to ponder on for our, our listeners and viewers is, in addition, what makes you optimistic? And it's, it's there as well. So excellent. And lastly, last uh, quick question. Bit of a fun one here for you, Victor. If you were to choose any animal to be, what would it be and why? <laughs> I've always quite liked the walrus. I sort of think... Walrus! <laughs> I love it! You know, you get to eat lots of good fish and you... Yep hang around on the shores in the meanwhile, and you get to swim a lot. So um, I, I reckon I, 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 I've always, when I sort of pondered that question, I always think the walrus. The walrus, beautiful. You even go back to that old song of the Beatles, I am yeah. the walrus. Yes. The I am the walrus. That, that's, that popped into my head, actually, the, the Beatles song. All right, excellent. So, and, um, and then finally, uh, before we sign off, Victor, so is there anything you'd like to say or promote to our audience? Look, I'd love them all to be members of the Centre for Optimism. And as I said, I'll put the the discount code ADAM there for our subscriptions, and people will be able to do that at centreforoptimism.com. Doesn't really matter how they spell it, but generally centreforoptimism.com. So I'd love them to join, and in particular, for them to answer the question for themselves, what makes you optimistic? and then to ask their spouse, their son, daughter, mm. grandparent, parent, what makes them optimistic? Excellent. And uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful question to be left with, because I know when you ask me, that, um, that actually 
just purely by asking the question, it, it makes you think about it and feel a bit more optimistic, even though you're not. So I'll, I'll definitely, um, I'll share that and I'll put the link in as well. And I really, really, really appreciate you um, uh, being a special guest on this and also being a, being this a special episode as, as being a webinar as well. So, uh, and I look forward to meeting up with you, whether in Brisbane or Melbourne in the future. And uh, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your evening, Victor. Thank you, Adam. And congratulations again on your magnificent, magnificent podcast, your passion, your dedication, and your desire to make life better for other people. Awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, Victor, take care. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for listening to the Fireside Podcast with your host, Adam Bokert. And the Fireside Podcast is sponsored by Fire. And please feel free to check out their socials on Twitter at FireCorp and Instagram at FireCorp. And we're looking forward to welcoming you for our next episode.